Welcome into the October 13th episode of the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. The Leafs leafed it up, David. They leafed it up in Montreal. We'll break that game down to discuss what we liked and the many things that we did not like about the season's opening loss to Montreal. But Toronto back in action tonight. A chance to get back up on the horse against the Washington Capitals in the home opener. So we'll get some quick thoughts on that one as well. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked On Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dave they did it again they did it again another heartbreaking loss another heartbreaking loss to start the year they really really did it again hello and welcome into the lockdown Leafs podcast your one-stop shop for all things Leafs I am your host Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. You can also uh, listen to my co-host who's here with me today, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also a writer for the NHLPA. And Locked on Leafs is a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from. You can also catch us on video format up on YouTube. Locked on Leafs will be delivering brand new content each and every day, Monday through Friday. Get all Leafs all the time. Stay up to date on everything that's going on, even when they lose and take uh, big fat L's to the worst team in the National Hockey League, the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, David, how did that happen? We were so confident, so confident that the Leafs were different. They had learned their lesson. They weren't going to play down to their opponents anymore. They were going up against a junior squad blue line, essentially, with four rookies on the team. And somehow still lose the hockey game. Mike, I have this cup that I usually drink out of during the podcast. I'm not sure if you can read what this says on it. Uh, For those who are listening via audio form, it says honor, pride, and courage. Sorry, that was a little loud. They did not play with any of that tonight. No, they really no. didn't. Sorry, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little on edge right now. Go ahead, rant. Go ahead, David. This you called it the leafiest performance because that's exactly what we saw tonight. We saw the Leafs play pretty much with no urgency. The only urgency they show is when William Nealander scored that goal to tie the game. Only. For the most brutal turnover to happen in all of hockey, really, I've seen the longest time. Dude. 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 What was that? Like, Jake Muzzin, this was a tough game for not only Jake Muzzin, but, like, the Muzzin-Hall pairing. I mean, if you're Sheldon Keefe, can you really go into, to like, the home opener tomorrow night against Washington with those two Still, as a like, I know it's only one night. You know, you don't really want to overreact too, too much. But considering what happened last year with that pairing and how things started off tonight against the Habs, like I'm already checking out on that pairing. I mean, I was checked out when it was announced, but I knew that we were going to be forced to watch them 
But after tonight's performance, after Jake Muzzin, I don't know what the hell he was doing, unable to clear that puck, just the softest little floater that he sent right to uh, the Nick Suzuki, basically. And uh, yeah, let's bring it up. Let's 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 watch it uh, for you know for whatever reason we want to hate ourselves as we typically do. But here was the play, hit play. We'll we'll watch it in you know live uh, here on YouTube. And if you're listening, we're just replaying the what was the game winning goal by Josh Anderson? I mean, just oh, how do you not get that puck out, man? How do you not get that puck out? You you ice that thing, you get it out of there. Just a hard pass or hard shot down the ice, clears it, put it off the boards, anything. But he puts it right into the Montreal player and. Three seconds later, it's into the back of the net with 17 seconds to go. That's your hockey game. On top of that, the one thing you never want to do as a defenseman is take away your goalie's ability to see the puck. Oh, well, that's his 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 best buddy, Justin Hall, just straight up. Like, I, people were, I heard some people going, woof, Matt Murray. I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry? You might not have seen the puck. I didn't. I, they did the behind the perfect view from behind the net of that shot. I'm sure Matt Murray had no idea that puck was being shot. I mean, yeah, he saw, uh, he saw probably Josh Anderson get ready to shoot it. But he is not seeing where that shot's going. Cause Jake, cause Justin Hall decides not only am I going to get in the way, but I'm going to go low so that my goalie can't like see usually goalies. When the defenseman's in front, they try to see between the legs you know, try to get us find some sort of open to track or, the puck. Or, or at least like you got to crouch your back so that you're really low, so that you know you're below eye level if the goaltender's on his knees, so that he can at least see over top of you. So you got to if you're crouching, you get real low, almost get skinny in a way. But he didn't. He just straight up like that was just a, a poor performance. You screened your goalie, and they ended up scoring the, the game-winning goal off that. Um, I'll Maybe say this call should take a lesson from the Habs on how to shot block, <laughs> right? Like, dude, I was pr- like, credit credit to Montreal. I'll say this credit to Montreal, um, for going out there and, and making it a game. They had every uh excuse to kind of flounder and flop and, and yep. come out and, and take a beating. And they had they played with pride, they played with courage today like that should be the 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 slogan on their cups at the bell center tonight just based on the way that they played and you know credit to them it's a young spunky team i'll be curious to see you know how they end up doing going forward i still don't think they're going to win a whole lot of games um but ultimately you got to give credit where it's due they definitely played with some pride and courage tonight but when i look at toronto too i I think i mean we got to have a chat about Matt Murray's performance like although you you know might not want to blame him for um for that goal entirely it it was a little bit of a suspect second half of that game like once the goal started to come they kind of started to come a little easy he ended up having at the end of the game a 1.67 expected goals at uh, at even strength on the night was the expected number they allowed four goals so you know that's almost three goals below expected um, or above expected that he allowed tonight, which not great, not great. And there's already a lot of talk about uh, the book being on Matt Murray, being that, that high glove and three goals tonight, high glove. Yeah. The high glove. There was the one, like the Monaghan one, I think it was like a block shot. He was kind of open. Terrible broken play. Broken play. Like, 
not great defensive coverage because nobody was covering Sean Monahan on the side there. I think that I'm trying to remember who was on the I think that was Cal Yarncroke actually that was missing the assignment on that one. But yeah, no, I mean Matt Murray he made some good saves. But yeah, late in the game when Montreal was starting to get things together, he wasn't exactly shutting it down completely, right? I yeah, the Monahan goal probably could have stopped that one. The second Caulfield goal, that's one there I think you got to try to have at least. Um, yeah, I, I'm not blaming Matt Murray at all for this performance, but I'm also not giving him a free pass entirely. No, like there's no concern. I mean, like if yeah. I'm he, not concerned. he's bound to, to give up four goals in a game, it just happened to be on night one of the regular season when when it mattered, right? But We've seen enough quality goaltending. Well, not enough, but we've seen quality goaltending through the preseason, through his first couple of starts, to make us think, okay, when he's when he's on his game, you know, he can be a, a good goalie. And he was on his game early. Like he made some big stops early in the game. Like I thought that he made some real big saves. Nice glove stop that he had on uh, what it, it was the pad save on Jack Eye that he made, and then he made another big glove stop. I think it was on Caulfield earlier on too. I did write it down. What did it say? Yeah, it was on Caulfield on the on the um, when they were killing off that penalty that Sandine took. Made a big glove stop there. So he made some nice saves early on in the game. But you know the back half, uh, f- four goals end up uh, going in the back of the net. It's it's unfortunate, but he probably would want to have a couple of those back, and hopefully he plays better uh, his next outing. Let's just say this: if you miss Jack Campbell. Don't go watch how Jack Campbell's playing for the Oilers tonight. No, I think uh, was it was two goals in the first couple of minutes there that he gave up. and Two goals on two shots. Yeah, two goals on two shots. I think he's given up three already. We're, they're about halfway through that game as we're recording this. Uh, yeah, Jack Campbell's not playing any better, folks. And I don't anticipate he will, to be quite honest with you. We've talked about that a lot on this show. All right, let's take one break. Uh, when we get back, let's kind of dive a little bit deeper into the game and Chat about some of the things that uh, that we liked, we didn't like, because um, there was there, there was a lot of ugly moments. There were some good moments, so we'll do the good, the bad, the ugly on the other side. You're listening to the Locked On Leafs podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. But first, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and that's BetOnline.net. It's your number one source for uh, hockey betting information this season. You can find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, NFL, boxing, golf, and so much more. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, it's where the game starts. And uh, tell you what, despite the loss, it was a rather profitable day for me on Bet Online because I took a lot of shot prop total overs, um, and they paid off. <laughs> I had a, I think Matthews. I took the over of of uh, three and a half that paid off. I took Nylander over two and a half that paid off. I think Caulfield was at two or three and a half that hit. So I did all right when it came to uh, the shop props. That's that's a market that you can exploit if uh, if if you kind of know what's going on in the in the game of hockey. All right, Dave. Uh, the Maple Leafs tough L they took to the Montreal Canadiens in the season opener um, by a score of four three. Josh Anderson with the game winner, seventeen seconds left 
in regulation. Uh, before we get to, to the bad and the ugly, there was some good about tonight's game. There was a couple of players I thought that stood out to you or stood out to me. But uh, what for you stood out as, as some of the good parts in tonight's game? And look at that second line of Malgan, Nylander, and Tavares. Yeah. Two goals, two big goals. Yeah. Really in this game. The 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 Tavares Nylander one was I that was reassuring because we we said that we need to see that line step up at five on five. Yes. And they had two goals at five on five. And both of them came with guys going to the net. That's the one right there. Like Mulligan's not a guy who you anticipate to go to the net, but he did. And then there's a big juicy rebound for him to pounce on because of it. Now, nice little blow by by Nick Suzuki kind of helped. And he had a lot of free space, time and space there to, to bounce on those rebounds. But like, that's why you, you go to the net kids, you know, like that's what they teach you when you're real young. You know, if you're a forward, go to the net and, and, you know, William Nylander gets the pass off the rush and takes it in tight, makes a nice little move and, and scores. Right. So, you know, that was a really, uh, a really solid um, and encouraging sign to see that that second line was clicking right away. Because as we know, last year, many points of last year, it, it, it wasn't like there was just at times it seemed like that line was never going to score. What Tavares go 15 games without a goal? I, I want to say 14 or 15 games without a goal. Um, it was, it was, it was bleak at times when it came to production from that line at five on five. But uh, nice to see him get going early on. And in particular, we think that we're going to have a strong season from Nylander. So for him to get uh, one out of the way early on, definitely good to see. At the penalty kill, looked pretty good for uh, for the Maple Leafs. This, uh, you know, killed them all off. Ended up, they were in the box quite a bit early on, too. So able to kill everything off. Didn't really give up many grade A chances, I would say, on the power play. Um, so I thought the penalty kill kind of did their job, did their part. So those, yeah, I would say pretty much the fourth line, actually, you know, they didn't have many chances per se, but I thought they did their job well, like exactly kind of what you want them to do. Like, don't give up a whole lot of opportunities and chances and then, you know, forecheck hard, make it hard to play against. And I thought that they did that pretty well, pretty feisty fourth line, which is what we were expected to see. Yeah. And, you know, there were, I think, some moments where they didn't look at their best in terms of in their own end. But I thought, yeah, in, in the, I liked what there was that one play with, uh, Abe Kubel. He took the puck to the net, crashed the net. Yeah. He bumped it to Jake Allen, which all oh, like, but like, no, you got to make life uncomfortable for the goaltender. Yes. Like that, that was something that we talked about this off season. The big difference between, you know, why the Maple Leafs didn't score as much as, as other teams or, you know, in the playoffs is because that's where you got to go to score in the playoffs. Right. And and I know this is only game one. It's against a non-playoff team, but it's good to see that he's willing to take the puck to the net and go like that was something what, that, you know, I guess, are we ready to transition into bad? Because I have someone who did the complete opposite for most of the game uh, who did not take the puck to the net a whole lot. And that was Pierre Engvall. Like, I've been a big Pierre Engvall fan. Everybody knows this. I've talked about him. I'm almost president of the fan club. He did nothing tonight. Absolutely nothing. Like, 
he's always been really good at uh, at like breaking out of the zone and and you know controlling the puck. Like his zone exits and entries led the led the team, right? And he's really good at transitioning play from defensive to the offensive zone, but then does nothing with the puck. The amount of like pull ups that that guy does at the top of the circle, and then either passes it and it goes like literally pass it to the wall or shoots it into the feet of the defender. Like this guy did absolutely nothing. And it's so frustrating because he's long, he's fast, he's quick. Um, he's hard to get the puck off of, but he also can't really do anything with it. It's like he shoots himself in the foot time and time again. And uh, he was also on the ice during the, the um, that fourth goal, the Josh Anderson goal out in front of the net, not really doing much. If anything, I think because of where Engvall was right in the center of the ice, right in front of Muzzin, that maybe even forced Muzzin to have to play the puck to the side, as opposed to dumping it straight down the ice, which would have been a, a more direct play, but Engvall was in front of him. So again, wrong place, wrong time as per usual. Um, yeah. Not a good game out of Engvall. He's, He's a guy who I got uh, penciled in, in in the bad category. Yeah, I mean, considering someone like Nick Robertson's not on this team because mainly salary cap reasons, and we talked yeah. about Perangel as a guy that we would trade, and a lot of people came after. We're not happy about that idea. Sure, one game, but guess what? Like for a lot of the like to say it's one game. People are completely ignoring everything that's happened before. I have seen a game like this against Montreal where it's a close game. The Leafs are getting a lot of chances blocked. They're not really, you know, putting their stamp on the game. And then a late winner for the Habs sinks the ship. I've seen this story before. And with like like pure angle, it's like you got to bring something. You're you just got a nice new shiny deal. Nice pay raise. A lot of people believe you deserved it. You got to be a factor on that third line. He's kind of has to be the offensive driver a little bit because Kerfoot's going to be playing more of the set, the defensive, you know, cause he's playing center. He's got to take more of the defensive uh, responsibility. And Kelly yarn croak is another guy. Actually, I might be saying it incorrectly after it's, it's yarn croak. It is croak. Yeah. Like yarn croak. So like, you gotta, you gotta. That third line, that third line needs a wake up call in some, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's it's pretty quick for them to, you know, they gotta wake up because they got the Washington Capitals, who are a formidable playoff caliber club. So it's not like they're going up against a junior squad like they did with the Montreal Canadiens. Well, Montreal's got some good forwards, so I guess I, I shouldn't say that, but. You know, I, I definitely left a lot to be desired out of that third uh, that third line. Was there someone else you want to put, or something else you want to put in the in the bad category before we move on to the uglies? Uh, the power play. Mm, yeah, that, not much. Eh? So watching that power play, it's I've seen similar issues with that power play before in the past. Not really move. They like not really moving. The passes were very sloppy. Yeah. Too many times they're they're ending their own power play because they're not able to complete a pass and it goes out of the zone. And I'm watching the, I was watching the, a bit of the Colorado Chicago game. Again, a really good team against a very crappy team. I saw the power play goal that Arturi Lekkonen scored. Nathan McKinnon, my goodness. He just, 
the movement on that power play he's got chicago was just like running yeah. running around with like like a headless chicken trying to get the puck and Arturi looking and just like okay thank you open right in the front of the net and scores yeah. That's when Toronto's at their best on the power play. Yes. Like when their feet are moving and they're skating around and they open up and break open that defensive front. Like if you have, if you allow the penalty kill structure to just dictate you and, and you're going to just going to stay there and just try and pass the puck and literally act like your feet are in cement and just wait for a shooting lane to open up. It's not going to happen. You got to move things around, find other lanes, other holes, get the defenders moving. That's always kind of been whenever this power play is struggling. That's the exact reason. It's because they're not skating and moving around enough. Always the issue um, with them. Because when they are zipping it around, like you saw happen just this past weekend against Detroit, it was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Or even the power play that they had last week. Was it last Wednesday they played Montreal in the preseason game? It was beautiful. Thing of beauty, that power play. It's because they were zipping it around, moving it around. Everybody was skating and and didn't quite see that today. I think the one good opportunity maybe even came from the second unit, had the best chance to score on the power play. So when Michael Bunting got on the power play kind of late. And not only that with, with like the movement and stuff, but Montreal was very content, like a lot of teams do against the Leafs, collapse in front of the net take away the shooting lanes by trying to block shots. Well, a lot of these guys are going down to block the shots. You take a second, like the, like Neilander had a prime scoring chance. It goes off the heel of Den- of uh, David Savard's skate. Yeah. If Neilander takes a second, like Savard's not going to catch him. If Neilander takes an extra second to skate quick, around, quick toe drag, skate around and get a better angle, get a better shot with, with yeah. impediments. I agree. But again, it seems like they're just not willing to move for whatever reason. And at some points, an extra pass, one pass too many, or very quick to pull the trigger when there's a guy in front of you. There's, it's just they, they there was no purpose for that power play. Yeah. What what was the final tally of the power play? I'm just gonna pull it up really quickly, just to uh, is there what like over over. Four probably sounds about right. I mean, Leafs had a lot of power, penalties go against them, so. There was, yeah, they they both had a lot of a lot of penalties, I guess. We were zero for four, and the Habs were zero for four. Yeah, zero for four makes makes sense there. So, yeah, not a tough night for what was, you know, the league's number one power play a year ago. Didn't really get too many uh, too many opportunities or too many chances at all. Let me see what they actually had in terms of um, shots on the power play. They only had four shots on the power play. you know, eight minutes, four shots. Got to be better if you're uh, if you're the Maple Leafs. You, you got to at least get some opportunities there. Um, didn't quite uh, didn't quite get them. All right, Dave. Why don't we take one more quick break? We get back, talk about the ugliness that we witnessed in tonight's game, and also, what is with everybody throwing out the Maple Leaf chirps? First, we have Michael Buble squawking off about them. You see that? He was at Key Bank doing a concert in a Sabres jersey. The guy's a Canucks fan. Why is it a Sabres jersey? I don't know. Beaking off about the Maple Leafs. Like, bro, what the hell? <laughs> what, what, why you got beef with the Maple Leafs? And then Christian Cage, apparently tonight at AEW Dynamite, also had some choice words for uh, for his hometown Toronto Maple Leafs. We will play that also on the other side. Uh, so stay tuned. Listen to the Locked On Lease podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Welcome back into the Locked On Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morsuti. We're reacting to the Maple Leafs 4-3 loss to the Montreal Canadiens uh, in the season opener. <sighs> 0-1 to start the year. 0-1 to start the year. And it's another valuable two points against a, a non-playoff team. And, and last year, that was something that was a narrative, and it, it came back to bite them in the ass at the end of the season. When you look at it, if they would have won some of those games and took some of those points off of those non-playoff teams, that team might have won the division. They had a chance to win the division if they just had a couple more wins, four more victories against non-playoff opponents, and they would have been uh, they would have been in the driver's seat in the Atlantic, and they would have taken on the Washington Capitals as opposed to having to face the Tampa Bay Lightning. Who knows how that season unfolds? If, uh, if if that were to have happened and thought maybe this was going to be a different season, different year, seemed as though they were, you know, they, they had learned their lesson and they're mature. I don't know if you saw the piece from Chris Johnston uh, that, that he put out a couple of days ago, or actually I think it was earlier today. Mm-hmm. John Tavares talking about the evolution of their, their maturation process. It didn't look like a matured team. Didn't look like they're all groaned up to me tonight. Uh, there was still a little bit of immaturity within that uh, within that group. Anyways, we move on to uh, the ugliness of tonight's game. Um, what to you stuck out as as you know one of the more ugly moments for the Maple Leafs? They, they just don't like to listen to some of the suggestions I want to make. Did I not say? to watch out for the turnovers, to watch out for the odd man rushes, to watch the pinching. Mm-hmm. And how many of those opportunities that Montreal had came off the rush or came off of broken plays? Well, I think we can look at, look at, let's look at each goal, actually. First sure. goal there, what, Morgan Riley tried to jump up into the rush, pinch in, keep the play alive, ends That's up going the other way. That's one goal, right? Yep. Jake Muzzin giveaway, it's another goal. There was another giveaway. Like every single goal that you look at came either off of a giveaway or an on-man rush. Because the Leafs gave it to the Habs. The Leafs gave the Habs almost everything in this game. Sure, the Habs earned some of it, but they didn't earn all of it. No. Like, did they earn that Jake Muzzin turnover? No, they did not. Like the, that's why that was that's what bothered me the most is that the Leafs played dreadfully for what they were supposed to play and the expectations, but Montreal wasn't world beaters. Like this wasn't a game where the Leafs were on their heels from start to finish. This was more so a classic Leaf game where they had control and then a brain cramp, a turnover leads to a goal in the back of their net. You know, it's funny, though, the Maple Leafs, despite, you know, us talking about how poorly they played and whatnot, this is why the numbers always are kind of funny and finicky. And, and oh, sometimes the numbers, numbers, they don't they don't always fit um, when we talk about uh, the eye test and the numbers test. But Toronto expected goals tonight, 5.49 expected goals to Montreal's 2.05. So Toronto was expected to score nearly three and a half more goals tonight than the Montreal Canadiens just didn't kind of didn't happen flat out did not happen. That's another ugly analytics, just making us feel like the Leafs should have had a better fade. 
but clearly but i was actually surprised to see that because to me the the leafs like the eye test didn't match it It didn't look like the leafs were dominating that game like they had a couple of good looks and and opportunities but i can't really think of one like oh wow jake allen made an unreal save like so I'm, i'm not sure why like why their expected numbers are so high? Looks like what nineteen slot shots. So I guess that's that's always Takes away a, like they had twenty three block shots. The Habs had twenty three block shots. Cut that in half. It looks a little bit better on the Leafs, I think. When you if a, more of those chances get on net, yeah, yeah, probably. You're not wrong there. Like, I mean, Nylander had that open look that went off of Savard's leg. If that doesn't, and that goes into the back of the net, it's a completely different hockey game. So yeah, you're right. So that that definitely played uh, played a factor here. But for me, like I, to to go back to what we were talking about earlier, I mean, Jake Muzzin's night was ugly. It was just flat out ugly. Um, I didn't like really anything. <laughs> he didn't do anything positive tonight. Like I can't really. He had that one rush, I guess, where I was like, why is Jake Muzzin on a on a rush? <laughs> like literally taking the puck, like zone entry into the puck and taking it to the net it was kind of bizarre, but. I digress, but the guy was a dash two tonight um, and had four, four giveaways, including the one that we've referenced, uh, you know, as, as essentially the reason why the team lost, right? Just an absolutely piss poor effort to clear the puck. And uh, three seconds later, you know, it's, it's in the back of the net because of it. So yeah, Jake Muzzin to me, ugly, ugly game. He's got to clean it up uh, going into the game against the Capitals. That is for sure. I'm I'm kind of wondering, do they consider moving, making some sort of change? Maybe like Sandine and Hall and like Geo and Muzzin. I, well, I don't think they play the right side. Who's going to play the right side? Yeah, because it's a back-to-back. I don't see it happening because that's just too drastic of a change in one night. But like that's not something you can look at long-term and say that's going to work out for the Leafs. I don't think it will. It, it didn't last year. It, it, it's... <laughs> I just I don't I don't see it happening again. Like you don't you don't want to overreact to one game, but you also have all of last year as a sample size for why this pairing doesn't work. Like it just it doesn't. I don't know why they're trying to force feed it in there, but it does not work. The fact that they were the ones out on the ice in the final 17, 30 seconds of this game is astounding to me. They've done nothing but fish pucks out of the back of their net for a year now. Yeah. Like, that's just, I don't know what Keith was thinking, putting those guys out there. I would have felt way more comfortable with uh, even like Geo Sandine. I would have had more comfort in those guys being out there in that moment of the game. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was uh, a tough look. And I don't know. We'll see if there are any adjustments. Like, it, it, that might be one that I, I would like to see. I'm not sure we'll see it, to your point. Um, just because, you know, it was one game and maybe they were just having an off night. But I doubt it. Again, I really, really doubt it. You saw a little, you saw a little bit of line juggling. Like there was a couple of times where you saw, you know, Bunting didn't take a shift with the big boys after a, a turnover, you know. And, and so I, I don't expect to see, like I would expect the lines to probably stay the same to start tomorrow. And like I remember last year, it was actually the game that I went to it, with me and my dad. Actually, ended up getting tickets to it against Washington. It was like a big win. It was like seven. Seven three or something. Three or eight three, something like that. Yeah, like it was a massive win. Ilya Labushkin scored a goal. Bunting scored a goal. It was just it was point night. So um, yeah, I, I don't know if we'll see much whole much change to the lineup. 
Um, but where we will see a change to the lineup is going to be in goal. Ilya Samsonov, former Washington Capital first rounder, getting his first start as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Bit of a revenge game narrative in play. And, you know, I, I that's a money on the board type of situation, right? For two reasons. One, the Leafs are coming off of a loss. And also, it's their home opener. And it's Ilya Samsonov having something to prove against a team that gave up on him. They didn't qualify him, Dave. No. They didn't. They said, no, you're not worth it. We're going to go in a different direction. He's got something to prove. There'll be money on the board. I think Toronto pulls it together against the Caps and gets it done. I, uh, they usually, after a performance like that, are able to bounce back. So I, but we'll see. We'll see. How do you feel about no Martina Ortiz Luis? Anymore at the home games. I'm already, I'm already, I'm already not happy, Mike. Now you're just reminding me, my heart. I, I had a feeling when you like, I, I follow her career. She's a very talented, I mean, very talented singer. She's pursuing like acting and all these things, and just like, this is not looking good. Like, we might lose Martina here. I, I, I back in my mind, I'm thinking that, but I'm like, but this is a great gig for her. She's like a celebrity in this city, and then you see that post, and you're just like. Like good for you. Good. That's amazing. It's great for her and her career. But Leafs Nation, we came to love Martina. Beautiful voice. Um, but yeah, she's no longer gonna be the 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 anthem singer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. She put out a statement about that last week. So uh we'll we'll have somebody else that we'll have to critique tomorrow. Um, but <laughs> also before we before we head out. So AEW is in town here in Toronto, down at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. And Christian Cage, who, if you're a wrestling fan, just Christian, as he was known as for many years in the WWE. Um, he, he was back in the WWF days as well. So he's been around the block for a while. He's a Toronto guy, local. And this is what he had to say when he was at AEW tonight in Toronto, Coca-Cola Coliseum. This is the chirp that he decided to throw out against the hometown Maple Leafs. And as the face of not only the city of Toronto, but the country of Canada. I'm going to go ahead right now and guarantee a victory tonight. Now, it's just not just any guarantee. I'm talking this guarantee is locked in. This guarantee is 100%. It's like... The Toronto Maple Leafs losing in the first round of the playoffs, guaranteed. Wow. That's pretty stiff. Oh, my goodness gracious. Like, Christian just coming over the top, an elbow right to the jaw of every single Leaf fan in that building. Like, you saw that dude's reaction. That was raw. That guy's like, you, did you really just say that right now? Like, Christian Cage... I mean, that's that's cheap heat, first and foremost. Definitely cheap heat, but decent chirp. I'll say that. Decent chirp. His good buddy, Edge, also Adam Copeland, for those who know his real name, the biggest Leaf fan I heard. out there. Oh, yeah. So that's like an extra double whammy to his best buddy. Also, I don't know if you recognize the lovely lady who was uh, holding the microphone there, Renee Paquette, a... Canadian also. So just Canadian flavor and just 
as you said before, you know what? I under I understand if a lot of people enjoy taking trips to the Leafs, but I feel like too many people feel like that's the joy they get in their life. The only joy they can get in their life is to talk bad about the Leafs. Yeah, Guys, it's like find something else. If that's the only thing that gets you going, is to talk bad about the Leafs. It's gonna get old very soon. That shtick. I'm just gonna point it out there. It's gonna get old very soon. Yeah, like I mean, Keenan Thompson. He kind of started. Well, he didn't start it. People have been clouded on the lease for years, but last year to end the award ceremony, had a pretty good jab at the Maple Leafs. And then Buble comes out earlier this week. You got Christian Cage coming out over the top with a nice little chirp. Yeah, when's it gonna end? When's it gonna end, guys? When's it gonna end? I mean, the problem is the Maple Leafs just keep providing content for everybody. That's the problem, realistically. <laughs> I mean, like, look at what happened tonight. There's gonna be memes about tonight's game i want like, pissed memes. off leafs on uh, against the capitals i want to see them pissed dude like who's one guy who you thought didn't really play up to snuff tonight that you think's gonna just absolutely take over tomorrow and dominate and just pedal to the metal oh you've already you've already set me up am 34 come on absolutely he was a, he was quiet tonight he no he did not look the he just for some reason I think it's the first time we've said his name in this entire podcast. We're 37 minutes in. It's the first time that we've uttered Austin Matthews on this podcast. That's how quiet he was. Not good enough. We're talking about giving this guy max contract. Sportsnet had that you know, Kobe yeah, Armstrong. Well, yeah, he's, he's good enough. All right. One come yeah. on. Let's yes, yes. I'm not, but I'm saying. This is supposed to be the Austin Matthews show. First night of the season. This is the that was the anniversary of the four yeah, goal game. Yes, the anniversary of the four goal game, and was it twelve points in five season openers? Like the guy literally averages over two points per game in his season openers. It's and his Super Bowl for the first time in his career held off the score sheet in uh, in a season opener. Or did he end up assisting on on one of those goals actually? Are they on the bunting goal? No, he didn't, because I think it was Riley, Riley, and and uh, or Brody, yeah, Brody and Marner assisted on the bunting goal, and then Nylander and Tavares on Mulligans, and then uh, Riley and JT on Nylander's goal. So yeah, held off the score sheet for the first time on uh, opening night in his career. So uh, yeah, tomorrow he should be locked, loaded, and ready to go. Because um, now he's got well Alex Ovechkin coming in, uh, coming in hot and. You know that he's going to want to try and prove something, say that he is taking the mantle as the best scorer in the NHL, and he's going to try and tear it up and rip it up against the Washington Capitals. Um, I'm excited for the game, though. Uh, I might be down there. I don't know. I'm, I'm still kind of waiting to see if, if, uh, if I guess if I'll be credentialed or not to, to get down there. But either way, I'll be watching it. And uh, you did a, a crossover podcast with Locked On Caps host Dan Holmey. Uh, the other day to kind of help tee up the show a little or tee up the game a little bit more than we did just now. Uh, why don't you give a little sneak peek about, you know, what yeah. people can look forward to. I think we're going to release it at what? 11 a.m. on game day, 11 a.m. Yeah, on about 11 a.m. I want to give this, this podcast a little time to keep people really pissed off about the Leafs. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, cause the Capitals has been through, it's a very interesting time for the Capitals right now. A lot of things going on, some changes some new faces in there. So I, I wanted to just see what the Leafs are up against in this uh, first game, second game of the season in their home opener. So 
Uh, it was good to get Dan's perspective because he's right there. He know he's he's the guy to go to when it comes to capital stuff. So uh, yeah, look for that to drop probably at about eleven or noon uh, on game day. Sounds good, buddy. Sounds good. Definitely check that out. But that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You could subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Uh, follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti. And also go ahead and follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And uh, if you enjoyed today's content, make sure that you subscribe to the show. Leave a like as well. Comment down below your thoughts on tonight's game. Let us know. We want the heat. Bring all the heat, just like Christian Cage did in Tirana. Uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, tomorrow. We will be recapping the game against the Washington Capitals. I hope it's a different tone than we just had the last 40 minutes or so. Yeah, my blood pressure needs it to be a different tone. I really, really need it to be a different tone. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.